Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. If you want to turn with me over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is a verse that is, this chapter has been, um, you've undoubtedly heard before. As you're turning there, I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the gift of your eternal word. And God, we come before you this morning and we, we position ourselves, we place ourselves before you and before your word. God, that we recognize our need for you, that your word is, is truth and it is life to us. So Lord, help us to receive your word with faith. God, help us to submit ourselves to what you'd have for us. And I pray that we would see the glory and the majesty of all that you are and what you've given to us. In your name we pray. Amen. There are two men who were on the golf course one day, and as one gentleman was preparing to chip onto the green, uh, the fu- a funeral procession went past on the street a- across from the, the golf course. And as the funeral procession is going by, and as this gentleman is getting ready to chip, him and his friend are sitting there. Austin, the guy getting ready to hit, drops to his knees, takes off his hat, begins to pray. To the amazement of the other guy, because he thought, well, what's, you know, what's going on? And so it, after he prayed, the guy got back up again, and his buddy said to the guy, he says, I've never seen something so touching. I mean, that's really, that's really quite amazing that you would stop in the middle of your shot to, to pray and to just give honor to which the other guy replied, he said, well, we were married for 35 years. I figured it was the least I could do. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting how Paul sets up this chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. There, there's a bit of a contrast. That he, he doesn't only just say what love is. He begins to make a contrast to say, this is what love is, but this is also what love isn't. So there's a contrast. We can clearly see not only what it is, but we can also see, well, this is what clearly it isn't. Now, the amazing part about love, as we dig into this section, the amazing part about love is is thinking through how will the world know that we belong to Jesus? How will the world know that we belong to Jesus? And some could say, well, the world's going to know that we belong to Jesus by the amount of programs that we have at our church. The world's going to know that we belong to Jesus by the way our lives are put together. The world's going to know that we belong to Jesus by the kind of cars that we drive or the houses that we live in or the way that our children are, are obedient or not. The world's going to know that we belong to Jesus because of our political involvement. But what Jesus says, Jesus says, look, the way that the world is going to know that we belong to him is by how we love one another. That is the distinct Christian perspective that says, look, the way in which all of the world is going to look in on the church and on the people of God and say, clearly they belong to Jesus. There's a million things that we could add to that, but Jesus, look, this one distinct thing 
that I want you to know that the world must recognize is this, the way that we love one another. And so I would say this is so important. This is vital for us as a church to understand and get a hold of because we want a testimony of Jesus Christ in our community, in our lives, in our families. We want this. And Jesus is saying, look, you want to know what that's like, how to, how to see that happen? You want to know what that testimony is? It's because you love one another. And so often we read this and we think about, well, this is really something that's good, and we understand this for a marriage, a husband and wife relationship. But that's not where Jesus is going, or that's not what the Apostle Paul is going at in this. As he begins to describe what love is, he's communicating first and foremost to a church, to a people, not a husband and wife, to a people. Our love for one another is proof to the world that we belong to Jesus and that he exists and he's real. That's how the world knows that we belong to Jesus. And even as I approach this passage of Scripture, it's a bit of a, a humbling thing for me. We had, Michelle and I had this um, teapot that we purchased in Mexico on our honeymoon. And we purchased this, this teapot, and it's going to be a, serve as a bit of a memory for us as we come back home from our honeymoon and remember the time we had there and, and how, how great it was. And so we get back from our honeymoon in, in Mexico. We safely, you know, wrap this teapot, and we get back to the States, get back to our home, and we have invited our uncle over for, for, for tea. He came over, happy to see us, picks up the teapot, and two seconds later drops it and breaks the teapot, right? And it's like, wow, this thing has traveled across the nations <laughs> safely. It's one piece. And it took you all of two seconds to, to break it, you know? Approaching this passage of Scripture is a bit like that. I can't do it justice. It's like handling something of, of precious worth that has been passed down from the ages. And here I am up here trying to describe what 1 Corinthians 13 means. It's like me handling that teapot. It, it, it just, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard thing to do. But let's turn there now. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read, we're going we're gonna to read the whole section of Scripture, the whole, the whole chapter. We're going to take the next three weeks to unpack it, so we're not going to go through the whole thing this morning. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist in its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. 
love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. How many of you had this passage of Scripture read the day you got married? Right? Okay. So, quite a few. Some of you were married before this was written, so (laughs) it's really a trick question. And this morning, I want to look at what is authentic love and what is inauthentic love. Next week, we're going to look at what love is and what love isn't, and then then the week after, we're going to look at what's temporary versus what is eternal. The end of chapter 12, Paul says this, I want to show you a more excellent way. So after describing the spiritual gifts, after giving definition of what spiritual gifts are, what they are not, how it's used in the church, after all these things that he said, he says, look, after miracles and prophecy and healing and all these things, he says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way, a more excellent way. So turning over to the first verse, we read this. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm just white noise. And it drowns out everything that I'm saying, even if it could be the most important thing. And I even though I could be talking about something that's amazing, if I have not love, it is nothing. It's nothing but white noise goes on in verse 2. I could understand all the mysteries and knowledge, have faith that could move mountains. But if I have not love, it's nothing. We had a, went to a, a mechanic for a short period of time. And to me, the engine of a car is, it's mysteries of the universe. I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. It just, it's, puzzles me. It's a big mystery. And so you take the car to the mechanic and you'd ask him, okay, what's wrong with my car, right? Why am I handing over to you hundreds of dollars? We should at least be an explanation of of why I'm paying you at this moment. And the guy would just be so upset that I'd even, even ask him, just mention just a question of why are we, what's, what happened to my car? And so he'd, he'd begin to explain to me what was wrong with my car in all like mechanic terms. And I'm like, I don't even understand anything that you're saying. You're, you're speaking a different language to me. Can you please give it to me in layman's terms? What's wrong with my car and what did you do to fix it? And he would just kind of shake his head like, oh, I'm just, 
just so upset that you'd even ask me and you want me to, to explain it to you. And See, I get it. I bring my car in, it's broken. I leave, it's working. That's fantastic, but I want to know what happened. See, the, the problem is he understood these things, but there was no love behind it. And therefore, it made going to the mechanic just, it made me cringe. I hated it. It was a terrible experience, obviously for him and specifically for me. Because in the end of the day, I, I just, I'm like, well, what happened? What was wrong? And there would be this huge ordeal to find out from this guy what was wrong. Now, we don't take our cars here anymore. But we've all had experiences like that, haven't we? You ask a doctor maybe about what was wrong and they begin to, to lay out these, these terms that you don't understand or mechanic or whatever it may be and it's like you're speaking a different language and you're like, help me here and they're put off that we'd even ask. And it's a miserable experience because there's no love behind it. Verse 3. So if I give everything, all that I have, Delivered up my body to be burned. Another translation would say what they would do in this period of time is people would actually sell themselves into slavery and use the money that they receive from that, their, the, sale, the sale of themselves to give to the poor. If I give all that I have and give my body but have not love, I gain nothing. Sometimes before bed... Um, I, I fall asleep in like two seconds and Michelle does not. And so I get into bed and she's like, hey, my back's sore. Could you rub my back? Uh, I was, okay, I'm not going there right now, so just relax, okay? Um, and so it's like, uh, I'm about like half asleep right now. Okay, I'll rub your back. And it's like, it's not... A, the pragmatic side of you thinks, well, you want a back rub, I'll give you a back rub. Like, end of transaction, you know, like, everyone, everyone's happy at this point, right? No. Because if it's not done in love, it's like, well, I don't even want it. Right? Don't, don't even, I don't want you to rub my back because I know you're doing it out of just, like, duty in a sense of just, like, you're tired and you, you don't want to and See, love gives meaning and value to what we do. What a huge difference. Like, you know what? I'm happy to serve you. I'm happy to bless you. I'm happy to, to do whatever it takes to be, to be a blessing and serve you. And we could be doing all the right things on the outside, but if love is far from my heart, the scriptures say it means nothing. It means nothing. It's, we're just posers. We're just going through the motions. We're just pretending. And nowadays, as we know, we can see right through those things. I got a phone call. I get, I get a phone call once a month from somebody who says, Mr. Hamstra, your, um, your, your Windows machines have been hacked into, and we need you to you know, do a couple things in order to prevent your, your, your computers from... Being stuff being taken from it and, and all these other things. And so this person's concerned for me. Like, hey, no, no. And I was like, well, I really not. Just, no, no, sir, you don't understand. This is, this is important. We don't want you to get hacked into. And we're calling you on behalf of, of Microsoft to make sure that you don't, your computers aren't getting hacked into and all those kind of things. We, this happens once a month. 
okay? And so the last time, I was like, I'm just going to go with it. Okay, what do you need? Well, you know, and I said, here's, here's the problem, though, bud. Here's the problem. I don't own any Windows machines. I don't. We haven't had one in 10 years. So I appreciate your concern for me, but it's not going to help me. And this click, hang up, you know. We do that once a month, me and this guy. I don't know who he is, but we spend a little time together once a month. But we can smell a fake from a mile away, right? And the same thing with the world is, is we proclaim the, the, the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. As we proclaim a God who has, who has come to earth and has given his life for our sins and has given us his righteousness, and we've been reconciled to him and reconciled to one another, if we come before a a dying world and say, look, we proclaim this Jesus Christ who's done amazing things, and yet we cannot get along with one another inside the church, they can smell a phony a mile away. It's like that guy calling about my Windows machines. They know. Look, look, we're not buying what you're selling. It's fake. We don't want what you have. So this is important for us to understand. There's people in our lives that we're called to love. Many times these go through the motions. See, the amazing part about this, like I said earlier, this is not written for marriage ceremony, particularly. Apostle Paul was not writing to people who were getting married that weekend, and he wanted to make sure they understood what love was. This is the Apostle Paul writing to an entire church. And this is not just the way that a husband and and a wife are to interact with each other. This is the way that a church is to interact with, with the body. This is what the church should be like. So it affects our testimony to the rest of the world. So, what do I do if I'm just going through the motions? What do I do with this inauthentic, what if I'm just going through the motions? What if I'm just doing what I should be doing and there's nothing behind it? Number one, we need to remember the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to remember the good news of who Jesus is. 1 John four nineteen says, we love because we have first been loved. We should be the most loving people because we have received the most love out of anyone in the world. We need to remember that we are loved. We have been loved by our Savior, redeemed and saved and treasured and lavished with grace. So often we get disillusioned by church hurt by people in church. Why? Because we expect that 1 Corinthians 13 is really the baseline for all that we do, and when we don't experience that love, there's brokenness and hardship and pain and church splits. But here's the deal. If we look at the 1 Corinthian church who was planted by the greatest church planner the church has ever known, the world has ever seen, the Corinthian church planted by the Apostle Paul himself, then taught by the guy who wrote scripture. Then given all the gifts of the Spirit they could possibly imagine. Planted by the most amazing planter, taught and educated by the most amazing 
um, teacher besides Jesus Christ made this world ever known, who wrote scripture itself, has given all the gifts. We think, man, they should have it nailed down, but they don't. If they needed it, so do we. We need to be reminded of the gospel. And that's what the, exactly what the Apostle Paul does in the book of 1 Corinthians. He starts off in chapter 2 and says, let me remind you of something that I came to you and proclaimed to you. That Jesus Christ came and died and rose again. Then at the end of the, of the book, in, verse, in chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, he says, let me remind you what is of first importance. That Jesus Christ came and died and rose again. He's saying, look, this book ends to the entire... This entire letter, he said, look, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to be reminded of this truth over and over and over again because it affects everything that we do. If we're to love one another, we need to understand how much we have first been loved by God. It wasn't, for, it wasn't a problem of ignorance. It wasn't for more teaching on spiritual gifts. It's lack of love. See, all the problems in the church rise up. And that's why Paul continually in this book reminds the people of what Jesus Christ has done for them. Let me tell you about how much God loved you. What he did for you. What he gave for you. How he sought you out. How he loved you. Number two. repentance. It's a turning around. It's a recognizing that I'm wrong and that I need to be forgiven and changed. Lack of love in my life is not something that is due to the fact that I'm shy or that I'm too busy or that I just that's not the way that I am. I would challenge us as believers in Jesus Christ who proclaim the name of Jesus. This, is, this has been commanded of us but God has provided a way for us to walk in it. He didn't leave us alone. He provided all that we needed. It's a turning around. It's a recognition that we need Jesus. It's repentance. Jesus, forgive me for my lack of love for your precious people. Reminds me of the the story of the sinful woman washing Jesus' feet with her tears the party of the, of, of the, the Pharisees, the Pharisees' house. The Pharisees are indignant that this woman would dare to show up and do such a thing at one of their gatherings. And Jesus looks down at this woman who's weeping and wiping his feet with her hair because she knew nothing else to do in that moment. He says, what she's doing is a response of love. She's responding to the fact that she knows that she is loved and therefore she has been forgiven and she understands that. Repentance for us means aligning ourselves with what God is doing. God, I'm not going where you want me to go. I'm not responding the way you want me to respond. I'm like John's mechanic. I get frustrated. I don't want to talk to people. I'm angry. I'm just going through the motions. I'm just doing this as a transaction. When God is calling you and I to something so much greater than that. Repentance, it means us getting ourselves before the Lord, doing business with God, recognizing that we're, it is not right for us to do this, but recognizing 
Jesus, you are a great Savior. You made a way for us. And that's the amazing part as we read through this book, as we look through the chapter 12, he makes abundantly clear that it is the work of the Holy Spirit over and over and over again that provides the gifts of the Spirit. It's a gift the Spirit provides, the Spirit enables, the Spirit allows, the Spirit empowers. It's this understanding that the Holy Spirit is active and moving and changing. Now, when we get to chapter 13, he doesn't say, well, forget the Spirit stuff. Now, just do this on your own, in your own strength. No, this is understood that to do any of these things, it is, is requirement that we've got the Holy Spirit empowering us and changing us and equipping us to do this. It's work of the Spirit. It's a cooperation with what God is already doing. This is not a work in your own strength. Pull yourselves up by the bootstraps, work harder, just try more. This is not that message. This is a message realizing that we, we understand, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit empowers me to live this way, to love this way, to respond to the people around me in such a way that calls attention to the rest of the world, that they would say there's something different about those people. Something different. I don't quite understand. I don't see this anywhere else. The way that they love one another, the way that they respond to one another, the way that they care for one another. There's something different about those people. Because God has empowered us and equipped us and filled us changed us and transformed us. Let us be quick to repent in the areas of our lives that we see this is not the case. God, help me. Forgive me. Strengthen me. And lastly, I want to say this. Prayer. Changes situations. But man, almost most importantly, it changes me. I have the privilege, and I've told you this before, I have the privilege of praying for the, for the people in this church. The time to do that. And as I pray for you by name, pray for your children, pray for your marriages, pray for what's going on in your lives, it changes me. I'm not the person that I was six years ago when we planted this church. Not because I've somehow grown in wisdom or whatever else. Because I've been praying for you year after year after year. God has changed me. I want to encourage you. You want to grow your love for people, proclamation of the gospel to the world. Believe the gospel. See what Jesus Christ has done. Those areas repent and begin to pray. Cooperate with what God is doing. He will change you. He will change who you are. He will change your perspective. He will change your desires. Change the way that you love. That is how God works. That is what he does. We're going to close. And then we're just going to take a moment. When there's people in our lives who we 
know that we need to love. And if we have not responded that way, going through the motions, whether it's a husband or wife or a child or the person sitting next to you in the pew or someone at work or whatever it may be, it's not limited to this chapter, is not limited to people who are married. It's for all the church and all time. We would ask the Lord to change us. Let our testimony be loud and clear to the world that we belong to Jesus. Amen? Lord Jesus, we come before you now. And Lord, we want to repent. God, we are sorry for the times that we have, Lord, we have turned our back on your call for us to love your people, to love one another. Lord, forgive us. God, wash us clean. Oh God, please help us, Lord. Jesus, thank you for your promise of forgiveness. Jesus, thank you that you have promised to give us restoration and redemption. So now, Lord, we ask for your empowerment, your strength, Lord, to love, to truly love, to not just go through the motions. Lord, that you would change me, change us. Oh, God, we want your glory to be lifted high. We want a dying world to see the majesty and glory of all that you are. God, we recognize the world will know us by the way in which we love one another. Holy Spirit, we pray, change us, transform us, help us. In your name we pray, amen.